0: All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of Roundabout Sports, presented by Interstate Seventy Sports Media, where our passion is our profession. Thank you for joining us this evening. It is Wednesday, December thirteenth, two thousand twenty-three. We're nearing the end of Hanukkah for all our Jewish uh, listeners tuning in. Of course, myself being uh, one of them, and um, so I hope everybody's had an amazing Hanukkah. Um, I'm the maestro, Jeremy Carp, alongside. Uh, Jared Shannon. Jared, thank you so much for joining me this evening.
1: Thank you for having me again.
0: Of course, it is always a pleasure. Now, folks, be sure to check us out on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can get your podcast. Um, that is where we will be found. Also, sending out our love to Hollywood James Knox, as always. He is a workhorse beyond workhorses. And we can't wait to have him back on the show when he is able. Um, and, of course, if you want to advertise with us on I-70 Sports Media, um, you can check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, our YouTube channel. We're all over the place. Um, and, of course, go to for our our website, interstate70sports.media. So, with all the plugs out of the way for now... Um, Actually, I got one more plug before we get, uh, get underway with this. I do want to give a shout out to the good doctor, Jeremy Housewright. Um, be sure to, uh, take a look at his new book. And he's been on the show many times for the love of the show. A uh, wonderful book. You can find it at Barnes and Noble and on Amazon. With all that said, we got to go right into what happened last night. Um, And St. Louis is in an uproar right now about it because I – and I'm in absolute disbelief, Jared. So following a 6-4 loss against the Detroit Red Wings, which dropped the Blues to 13-14-1 on the season, um, the Blues fired head coach Craig Berube. And Drew Bannister, the coach of the team's AHL affiliate in Springfield, the Thunderbirds, will serve as the interim coach. Now, uh, Doug Armstrong, the general manager, has made it clear that this is his decision, and he said um, in a press conference on well today that he hasn't really slept much since the Columbus game last Friday. Then on Saturday, he didn't sleep during the uh, after the Blackhawks game, and you know he said. It, after the Detroit loss, it just was too much. Um, and, and it's always great having the voice of Sainless Pro Wrestling, Chris Rodell, tuning in. Uh, and he says, Hi, Carp. I am not happy. Barubi is taking the fall for Armstrong's roster management. And I completely agree. I think uh, Barubi is the scapegoat for Doug Armstrong's failures as a general manager. I think when you've been with the team since two thousand eight, as Armstrong has been, um, he starts to get leeway, and he. I I don't know, Jared. I want. I definitely want your thoughts on this. But the way I see it, um, you know, the old adage is, you know, the definition of. Uh, insanity is keep doing the same thing over and over and thinking that things are going to change now yeah. for Doug Armstrong's perspective. That was keeping Craig Beruby. for my perspective. That's keeping Doug Armstrong. You know,
1: I definitely agree, but when you go back and look at the past two seasons It hasn't been that great, to say the least. Or we can even go as far back after they won the Stanley Cup. It hasn't been that great. I wouldn't blame it all on Craig, but he does have a big factor in that and what happens behind the scenes. And it also just comes down to the fact of it's all about the wins and losses Anywhere with any sport in St. Louis. Yes, it may shock the fans that they were fired, but it was bound to happen at one point or another. Already this season, we're at 13 wins and 14 losses. Last season, we are at 37 wins, 38 losses. Can you really blame them for letting him go.
0: I mean, well, this is the thing. The players didn't come in. This is what Armstrong said himself. The players didn't come in there and say, fire Craig Berube and we'll be better. You know, um, the issue is, you know, you look at, look at the game last night. The blues scored four goals. Now, how four goals more than enough to win you a game defense has been atrocious since the start of last season that's not a craig baruby problem that's a doug armstrong problem he's not going out getting the proper players that can help this defense get better bennington look he's basically a cult cultural figure in st louis now you know he's like almost he's not at the David Freeze level is a little below it on the sense of, you know, just that popular figure status. But he's the he was the unknown rookie that came out of nowhere and led an, was a part of an unprecedented run. Historic won 16 games in the playoffs to um, help the Blues become Stanley Cup champions. The thing of it is player skills decline. Bennington is not as good as he was. And when your team loses six to four, I mean, and here's another thing. I want to, Chris has a good uh, point here. He says Armstrong got cocky after the cup win. He's made great moves, but he's still riding coattails of of the cup. He's made some great moves, but I also think what happens is now he started dumping off a lot of the players from the roster that won that Stanley Cup, we're down to I believe about six players left on the current roster, um, and you know now Baruby's gone. I take a look at the team. I mean, there, and I'm not saying that Drew Bannister is a bad choice, okay. Um, as far as interim coach goes. And he is going to be a candidate for the head coaching job following the conclusion of this season. But I feel that Armstrong feels that pulling the plug on the Ruby tenure, he's already third all time in Blues wins, and yet he feels that the team's just going to magically start getting better. You can only coach as well as the players can play. You know, the players are not producing. Why, why score four goals if your team defense and goaltending is going to allow six? They lost six to four. I mean, how many goals have the Blues allowed this season in comparison to how many they've scored? There's a reason they're six in the division and they're 13, 14, and one on the season.
1: I yeah, know. I, I think the only I can honestly think of in that thought process was they're looking for a new era, some new faces on the coaching staff. And yeah, they had to make some very difficult decisions. Do I think they should have kept Baruby until his contract expired? Yeah, of course, because it was only the rest of this season and then the following season. It would have made a little bit more sense and if they would have explained the reason of why letting him go. Because, of course, it does also fall majority on Armstrong as well, not just Barubi.
0: This is the thing. There's no indication right now that Armstrong is on the verge of being fired. You know, Barubi could have played out the contract or coached out the contract, you know. Um, but I look at the situation in that front office um, with this sudden firing of Berube. Look, I'm not going to sit here and deny that he wasn't on the hot seat. I'm sure people thought Barubi was on the hot seat, and he very well could have been. Um... But just like that, you know, my friends and I found out, you know, in just the spurt of the moment, you know, late before. It was almost midnight by the t- when we found out. Um, you know, they're a point out of a playoff spot right now, and the Blues are coming off a 33, 36, and 13 season when Armstrong – uh first joined he was the director of player personnel right now this team is on pace for 38 41 and 3 both of that is a 0.482 points percentage so if you want to get technical jared yeah they've won a stanley cup and yes they're consistently playoff contenders but this is the interesting thing i want to take a quote uh that Armstrong said in the conference or in the, yeah, in the press conference, if I were, uh, fired in the next hour or I get hit by a bus in the next hour, I don't feel today. I've left it any better than where I found it. That's an awful feeling. Well, at the pace they're going, he's going to be leaving it at the way he found it. And, you know, There And I feel that, like I said, the big issue for this Blues team is on the ice. It is the defensive side of the ice. There's no physicality. There's no intensity. They play very soft and off the puck. And they don't rally around to the opposing team's offense. They just sit back and see what happens. You know... And look, I'm not the absolute hockey guru of the world, but I'm telling you right now, you don't just wait around for them to make the shot and see what happens and hope that Bennington makes 50 out of 50 saves. That's that Ben. That's what you call the Ben Bishop style of goaltending. No defense and make all the saves. But, you know, I take a look at where the Blues are at. Yes, they're a point out of the... Uh, I'm sorry, they're a point out of the playoffs, but when you look at it right now, the Blues have scored the second fewest goals in the Central Division, uh, or the third fewest, I'm sorry, they've scored 80 goals, and they have allowed the... Second most at 94 goals. That's a 14 goal differential. You're not going anywhere with a 14 minus 14 goal differential. So I it just it's very frustrating. And what here's here's another thing. I I want I want to ask you this. Why should we believe the blues will get better because they fired Craig Baruby?
1: I believe most fans would ask that same thing. How I'm going to how I'm looking at it as I said earlier was they're looking for a new face on the team. Maybe someone that has either a little bit more experience with coaching or someone that knows how to get on Armstrong level and kind of see more eye-to-eye with Armstrong. Because possibly Baruby and Armstrong never had that eye-to-eye on the decisions.
0: And, you know, but this is another... Here's another thing. I'm going to counter that. I'm going to just make a crazy out-of-pocket comparison, but I'm going to do it. I I look at Craig Berube, and I start to think of Mike Schilt. A guy... That isn't a yes-man. Mike Schilt got fired by the Cardinals because he was, in a, he was not a yes-man to John Mozalock and the DeWitt family. Because guess what? It had nothing to do with lack of success because Mike Schilt was a successful manager. And I will die on that platform. Because um, what do they do? They bring in Ollie Marmol and he struck, you know, yeah, they went in the division, but come on, with the talent you had last year. That there's no, no excuse otherwise. Um and um or at least they get to the wild card, I'm sorry. And then you know, this this past season the Cardinals lost ninety one games. But he's not on the hot seat. They're gonna keep him around. Well, look at Baruby. Baruby isn't somebody that bows down. They call him chief, and you've seen the intensity that he has. He has a giant fire under his ass. But guess what? Because he's not gonna just pucker up for Doug Armstrong, you know, makes him a liability in the eyes of him and of in the eyes of the GM. So, yeah, you know what? You can go with the whole thing with the new face of the franchise thing. I think, I mean, that they got rid of Tarasenko, they got rid of O'Reilly, you know, Petrangelo. But look at the success they've all had since they left. Meanwhile, Kairo's making a, made a hundred thousand dollars last night and didn't do a damn thing with it. you know, based off the uh, the contract and I'm, I'm sorry when you're making that much money, like you gotta do something. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he hasn't lived up to expectations. I love Braden Shen. I think he was a great choice for Captain. Um, Blues traded away Robert Thomas. So, once again, another piece of, um, the, uh... Or, I'm sorry, um, not Thomas, Bortuzzo, I was gonna say. I was like, wait a minute, nope. They have, they, uh, they traded Bortuzzo to the Islanders, but Bortuzzo was also, yet again, a piece of that Stanley Cup-winning team. Um... So I take a look at where we're at as the St. Louis Blues. Um, Drew Bannister is going to take over, and this is the, I believe, the fifth. Let's see, Cunneville, Hitchcock, Yo, yeah, this will be the fifth head coach, I believe, under Doug Armstrong's tenure if I did my math right. I believe so, yes. Because to me, it's just a matter if uh, Coach Q – nope, I'm sorry. He was – this is the fourth because Coach Q left in 2004. So we got Hitchcock, Mike Yeo, Craig Baruby, and now Drew Bannister. And then it could very well be five if they don't retain Bannister as the head coach of – the interim coach of the team, and they hire somebody else. You know, and look, I'm not gonna act like Ruby was is already the third head coach to be fired in the NHL this season. Um Jay Woodcroft got fired from the Oilers earlier this year and Dean Evison got fired from the Wild earlier this season. Um but I I just I'm completely stunned. If if you asked me if I saw it coming, I'd say no, I didn't. There's nothing that could have told me that this is what I expected to see happen. You know, uh,
1: I will also at least give Armstrong this credit. He did say in that press conference, personally, he feels responsible for this situation. At least he's taking, at least he's acknowledging that he's responsible for the situation. Because you will have some GMs, coaches, whatever you want to put them as that won't take that responsibility or even publicly say it. He has to get at least a little bit, the t- very tiny little credit, about the same amount of tiny that the Cardinals had of winning a single game got to give him at least a little bit of credit. But I also do wonder when he said there is also plans for coaching changes, what part of the coaching will be changing after this shocking news that happened last night? Whose other Mm, coaching position is in jeopardy?
0: Well, and if I'm in the position of Armstrong, you know, You would have to probably assume that every that every you you by firing Craig Baruby, you have officially put everybody on the hot seat that is a part of that Blues coaching staff. You have officially said, "Look, if the head honcho is gone, you all are up potentially up next." You know, like that's just how it is. And I look at where the Blues are at. Are they in a great spot? No, but they're not. The Blues, aside from their Stanley Cup run, you know, that cup winning season in 2018 and 19, they've always been playoff contenders. But let's not act like, you know, they were the New England Patriots of the NHL. It wasn't like they were making the Stanley Cup every season. They only, the last time before 2018-19 they made it was in 1970. You know? Like, so the way I see it, and I hate saying it like this, but usually it seemed just normal for the Blues to get knocked out of the first round or the second round. If they made it past that, it was like, holy crap, this is awesome. And made it to the very finals, then wow, it'd really be something. But yeah. But I will also say
1: this there is something on the blues that has to break. At least something. Look at look at lat ever since they won that Stanley Cup, it's just been downhill ever since.
0: Well, absolutely. I do agree with just- that
1: seems like Armstrong can't really figure out what part of either management or on the rink is it that's causing that to go downhill. Because if it keeps constantly going downhill for a couple more seasons, then I guess most people will have to turn their eyes to saying, it's an Armstrong, Armstrong issue now. Because if they're getting new coaches, they've already got some new players, but yet it's still going downhill. But who's still the person that's still kept their position? Armstrong. Do you feel like at some point that's where it's going to come around to?
0: At some point it has to. And I, you know, I look at the Blues. Their power play. I look at the struggles the team has. We've talked. We've touched on the fact that the defense is atrocious. We've touched on the fact that, um, you know, goaltending. I still say is an issue. Um, their power play conversion rate is second worst in the NHL at 8.4 percent. You know, I mean, they just can't execute the much needed moments. And just as quickly as they score, they let up a score. And I do, you know, I take a look at what you were saying about Armstrong saying he feels responsible. I, is While I give him credit for saying that, I also feel it was a necessary comment to make. I feel like if he said anything otherwise, people would have pitchforks and torches at his house in a millisecond. Because you were the one that made the call. You have to own up to it, you know? Um, and when you, I mean, when you fire somebody, unless somebody else hyped you up to do it or told you to do it, it's your decision. You know, Doug Armstrong is the reason Craig Berube is not on this team. And, the, and as the Blues' new era starts to unfold... And morph and form. The biggest question people are going to ask themselves are this: If you had to choose one, would you have? Would you have wanted Craig Berube to still be the coach if it meant Doug, Doug Armstrong not being the GM? Or do you trust in Armstrong that he will make the right call, being getting the right head coach in his mind? You know. They he made he said all the things needed to be said about the personality and that Craig's a great guy and all the stuff that, maybe after a million press conferences in the world of sports I've seen, well at least it feels like a million. You just get used to the cliches. you know, we just get used to hell we're, we're in the pro wrestling business too, Jared. You know how many future endeavor wishes we get we hear like it's it's just the same to us. Um, same, same damn shit, different day. So overall the blues lost yet again, it was their fourth straight loss. And this one was the dagger in maybe not their season, but in the coaching tenure of Craig Berube. And it left for those that didn't find out about it last night, it left a lot of people shocked when they woke up in the morning. Yeah, I just wish that it would have
1: just made more sense if they kept him on until his contract expired. I think that would have been more of a little bit more of the bittersweet moment. At least he could have had his goodbye on his terms
0: and not out of the blue. Right, and you know, it's not as easy as just bringing a guy back saying, you know what? We made a mistake. We'll let you play out the rest of the contract. No, you fired him. You fired him. You know, it's, it's cruel. But, yeah, Craig Berube is not going to get that fond farewell in St. Louis that we would have thought, you know, two, three years ago that, hey, look what this man did. We think he's the guy. You know, And when the time comes that he wants... He's 57 years old, so let's not act like he's super old. But when the time came that he'd maybe want to retire or go to another team, you'd think it'd be a better send-off than just at 11 in the, in the evening. Yeah, we lost, you're out, get out. It's like, damn. <laughs> yeah, it, the, mo-
1: the moment really felt similar to when they let uh, Schiltz go. Right after that very long winning streak, the Cardinals had like I think it was 16, 17 wins in a row. Yep. Then, out of the blue, Cardinals said goodbye. Then it's kind of like they did the
0: same thing to Craig. Right. I think the only notable difference is the fact that, you know, I the Cardinals were at least because I'm not. Gonna act like the blues are like absolute shit right now are they playing bad yeah i think mediocre is probably the best way to put it some facets of the game they're playing absolutely atrocious but i look at the blues right now and i just say they're not playing up to their potential they're playing very mediocre hockey whereas the cardinals were the hottest team in baseball when they fired Mike you know So in a weird way, it makes more sense as to why Barubi got fired than Schilt, but it still doesn't make sense because, you know, consistency is key as a St. Louis sports fan. When you're in St. Louis, you expect things to last a long time when it comes to success and, you know, contention Um. I mean, just look at how long guys like Whitey Herzog, Red Shandies, Tony Larusa stuck around, you know, um, and you know you look at guys like Matheny; he even stuck around quite a few years. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just at a point where I feel like. For everybody that bashes on John Mosaylock, I think now Doug Armstrong is going to become the new number one punching bag in St. Louis. And when he makes what I feel is a mistake, such as firing Craig Barubi, I feel it's justifiable that he gets the criticism. I appreciate that he owns up to the fact that he still has a good relationship with him. I appreciate the fact that he takes responsibility. But I do think that this was a wrong decision because Doug Armstrong has not given me any reason to believe that it'll be the right decision. Now, if I'm proven wrong, I'll you know hell I've been wrong a lot of times. I'm used to it. But otherwise, you know we'll we'll see what happens. Season's still young; is far away from it's months away from being over. Blues still got a good chance. You know, 13, 14, and 1 ain't terrible. But, now you need the right person to write the ship. Then maybe Drew Bannister will be that guy.
1: You know, all that time will just tell. That's all that it really comes down to. But I don't believe that Armstrong will get the same hate as Mazaloc. But, hey... Time will tell how the Blues do the rest of this season. If they will make it to playoffs,
0: we'll see how Armstrong' decision was for this. Yes, absolutely. Now, moving on. Now, folks, thank you so much for tuning into uh, Roundabout Sports, presented by Interstate Seventy Sports Media. I'm the Maestro, Jeremy Carp, alongside Jared Shannon. Now, you, Jared, th- this is going to probably interest you a bit. You know, you always talked about if the Chiefs lose a game, um, you're a happy guy. Yep. Yeah. So, okay. For those that are watching the, vid- the it, this on YouTube, like for those that are actually watching this where there is a video – I have to say, so the Kansas City Chiefs lost to the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. And it's their second consecutive loss. And this one, there wasn't really controversy in the one against Green Bay. That was just the Chiefs playing not up to par, up to their expectations. This one is different. So it was a third down. Or I'm sorry, it was a, uh, was either third or second down? Basically, what happened was Travis Kelsey caught the ball. Chiefs were down. Kelsey catches it, runs down the field, then laterals it back to Kadarius Tony for what would have been the game, uh, the go ahead touchdown, and eventually the game winning touchdown. Only one problem with that is that the refs ruled that Kadarius Tony was offsides. On that, the beginning of the play. Now, here is the picture of where the line of scrimmage is, where Kadarius Tony lined up. Um, and obviously, what ends up happening the play gets called back, negates the touchdown. Chiefs can't convert um, for a first down, and the Bills win the game. Mahomes is pissed. Uh, Tony's pissed, Andy Reid's pissed, Arrowhead's pissed, everybody in Kansas City is pissed, one of my best friends is pissed. Like, everyone was infuriated about this call. So, I guess the first thing I have to ask, Jared, was he offsides? Well, it's his fault.
1: You know, it it clearly showed, but you know, you win some, you lose some. I'm a happy guy. Chiefs lose. It's a pizza party, Jeremy. It's a pizza party. Yes. <laughs> you know,
0: ha- I-, I mean, I knew you were happy about it.
1: It's the simplest stuff. Well, from a fan's point of view, it's the simplest stuff, watching it from home, watching the football field and where their foot placements are. But when right. you're actually on that field, can, you, can they really actually see where their foot is? Because their eyes is looking straight forward towards who they're going to go for, who they're communicating with on their left, right, behind them and who is in front of them. They're not looking down where their foot is. Should they know how far their foot should be ahead of them? Yes, they should know that. But it's on him. He costed his team this, and that's the end of
0: the story with him. Well, and, and, you know, I think while it may say, look, if he's offsides, he's offsides, it looks from every conceivable angle that Kadarius Tony's offsides. But I think a lot of it isn't so much about the offsides call. It's about now. Look, I played when I played football. Yeah, you know, I was a wide receiver as well as a corner. But when I lined up as wide receiver, um, you, when you line up at the line of scrimmage, you're supposed you check with the referee. You know, you point and make sure you're on sides, and the ref will signal to you if you're on sides or not. Apparently, the ref didn't do that. Uh, Carl Sheffers and, you know, the line judge. And that is where, whereas, let's put it this way. The very next day on Monday Night Football, Jalen Waddle lined up offsides for the Dolphins. And guess what? They didn't call it offsides. Hence... More controversy. Oh, but they called it for this game and not for this one. And, I mean, the Dolphins lost anyway, so what the hell? They can't beat a bad team to save their life. Um, or they can't beat a good team to save their lives. I don't know. They're an anomaly. But nevertheless, look, yes, the Chiefs are still leading the division, but they're 8-5. and five. The Broncos are one game behind them for the division lead, which blows my mind considering that they started the season 1-5. and five um the chief the chiefs are tied with the cleveland browns who are over a game up on everybody in the afc wild card you know this isn't the same chiefs team we've seen in years past the lack of a true number 1 wide right receiver is really starting to hurt the team they are a much better team than this but they're not living up to it mahomes can only do so much if anything the defense has been the true bright spot on this damn team this year <laughs> Um, like they have been an absolute juggernaut, but the problem is, you know, the offense is struggling to move the ball. Travis Kelsey to me is a future hall first ballot hall of famer. I will say top three tight ends of all time. You tell me he's the greatest tight end of all time. In your opinion, I won't say you're wrong because it's a very great argument to say that, but Travis Kelsey's 34 years old, and he still isn't fully healed from all the injuries he's already suffered in his career. And you're expecting him to do all the work, basically. It can't just be Mahomes and Kelsey. <clears throat> this Chiefs team is not the same Chiefs team that won the Super Bowl earlier this year. It's just not. I don't know what it is that truly is missing. I don't know if it's any energy missing, but something just seems off besides the whole receiver situation. And now, Jared, I know anytime a Kansas City team loses this, you're happy. Yes. You know, Um, for me, and maybe this is my opinion, or this is my opinion, but maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. I'm starting to get the feeling the Chiefs are becoming public enemy number one in the NFL among fan bases.
1: Oh, they are. When your team actually wins and goes on a good record and win championships, the minute they lose, that's when everyone around you turns on you. If you really think about it, go back to any team in the NFL, any team in the NHL, and MLB, soccer, all of it. You go on a winning, on a good winning streak, you win a champion. Then when you start losing a little bit,
0: oh, you're enemy number one to everyone in your city. Well, and it's not even just their city. It's because I know a lot of people that still, I mean, obviously people love the Chiefs, you know, but I'm looking at from the rest of the NFL's perspective. What did, you know, Jared, how old are you? I will be 20 in two weeks. You'll be 20 in two weeks. Okay. Next June, I'll be 29. Most of my life, and still a good amount of yours, re- in in football, was nothing but the New England Patriots. Oh, my God. It went Patriots, Patriots. Now we'll throw the Steelers in there, another team I despise. So make it worse from the one team I Despised to the other one. Then you get the Patriots again. Then Giants, but they upset the Patriots. So you got the Patriots in there. It was nothing but the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick show for the majority of my life. Tom Brady leaves, goes to Tampa Bay. What does he do? He goes back and wins the Super Bowl <laughs> against the Chiefs. Tom. Now Bill Belichick. Is, it's the Brady effect. But now Bill Belichick is absent. But what happens? What I'm getting at is the Patriots became the biggest enemy. The first couple Super Bowls they won, people were like, okay, it's kind of cool to see this because they sucked ass all those years. Wait, now Spygate happens, the Gate happens, all this stuff comes out. You know, now we're sick of seeing them. Any other team, please, but the freaking New England Patriots. Well, now Brady's retired. Belichick's probably going to get fired. The Patriots are ass. But guess what? The Chiefs are the dominant NFL franchise. They People can deny it all they want. But as much as they've been struggling this year, the Chiefs are still the top throne. They're the kings of the throne. They may not be the number one seed right now, but who's the one that's won two Super Bowls in the last four seasons? Who's the one that hasn't missed an AFC championship game since 2017? The, the Kansas City Chiefs. They are the team to beat in the NFL until this dynasty dies out. Which, when it would happen, I don't know. Because guess what? Mahomes is 27. Let's not act like he's 40 like Brady was when he was still performing well. Freaking Patrick Mahomes is 27 years old. So at least another 10- 13 years, we would see Pat Mahomes, and he'll probably stay on the Chiefs. I mean, oh, my God. You know,
1: when I'm looking at the AFC West and then I look at the AFC East, we're still in 2023, right, Jeremy? Yeah,
0: barely, but we are. Who in, who
1: in 2023 would ever imagine the Dolphins from AFC East having a better record than the Chiefs from AFC West. Wait, say that one more time. Would you ever imagine the Dolphins having a better win-loss record than the Chiefs
0: in 2023? No, and I mean, no, just by the team names. Obviously, when you take... The rosters you might say different but when you if you were somebody that grew up like I did and you said hey 2023 the Chiefs are gonna have a better record than the Dolph or yeah no the Dolphins will have a better record than the Chiefs they'll have the fastest player in the NFL they'll have you know one of the best quarterback they'll have an MVP candidate at quarterback something that hadn't happened since Marino they got a uh, you know Dolphins have a lot of flaws and quick side note my dad put a comment on here. You know, folks, please be sure if you're tuning in to send your comments. He says when I played football, I was on special teams, which I was. I was on special teams a lot too. Um, and he says every kickoff I was offsides, I was not offsides every kickoff. I do remember the one he talks about when I was wide receiver when I got caught being offsides. <laughs> um but he was he was chain gang or and he loved it. So, of course, he's on the sideline, too, and he noticed that. But you know what? I don't care. I was not off sides every play. That's beside them. But that's neither here nor there. That said, um. damn it, now I lost my train of thought. Oh, Dolphins, Chiefs. Okay. The thing of it is, Chiefs fans can't panic. Well, I mean, they do, and they will, but they shouldn't. You're still 8-5. If anything if the Broncos somehow take over, I mean look, the playoff race is right now. <laughs> number 1 seed is the Ravens, then the Dolphins, then the Chiefs, then the Jaguars. Um then the wild card, you got the Browns at 8 and 5, Steelers at 7 and 6, and the Colts at 7 and 6. Then you got the Bengals, Texans, Broncos, Bills, all of them you know, at seven and six. So if the Chiefs somehow fall out of the division lead, they're still going to have a great standing in the wild card. The playoffs are a whole different season. The playoffs are its own entity. When my friends and I play Madden, look, regular season's its own thing. It's when you get hot at the right time that matters. So, but I've noticed as time's gone on, and as the Chiefs players have called out officiating, and as fans get more excited seeing them lose, in a weird way, I hate to say it, in, in some ways, they start to resemble how fans were acting about the New England Patriots when I grew up. The only difference is the Chiefs aren't cheaters. You know, you know, (laughs) when
1: when I started started getting into football, it was constantly Seahawks and Patriots, Seahawks and Patriots, Seahawks and Patriots. Russell Wilson, Brady. That's when I started getting getting into football, right? And then that's when I started writing the Tom Brady. Wagon, whatever people want to call it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it will always come down to this. The Chiefs are was a very unexpected team to climb up that ladder quickly. And I'll give them that. They are a decent yeah. team. And that's why I like to see them lose. I like seeing decent teams lose. Not everyone can be the best like... Philadelphia Eagles. But I will still stand on this, the Chiefs will not be going to defend their champions.
0: You know, it doesn't look likely but it's still not impossible. Of course, right now I'm hoping the Cleveland Browns do it, but gosh damn it, every single freaking week another player or two gets sent to the injured reserve list. They they had the second most players on IR in the league the Texans have 18 the Browns have 14 and it's not getting any better but somehow they're eight and five with 38 year old Joe Flacco leading the way I'll take it they play the Bears this Sunday um but I know you don't think the Chiefs will defend their title I know you don't want them to I know you can't wait for that to happen probably personally my my uh one of my best friends predicted the ravens to be super bowl champions um you know ravens are unbelievable right now 10 and 3 and we're in I week
1: 15 they're the number 1 in the nfl right now and bringing it to the uh,
0: pf of the number yes. 1 right now I will say there's a chance we have a Niners uh Ravens rematch. I mean, but look at the NFC. We always talk about the AFC. You got three ten and three teams right now. You got the Niners, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. I mean both conferences have tight division races, tight conference races, you know, everything. It's going to be a big race to the finish. Um, to see how it goes. I'm looking forward to it. I pray the Browns get to the playoffs. They have the 10th best odds to make the Super Bowl or to win the Super Bowl at plus 3,200. So that, hey, the fact that that's better over 22 other teams. Look, man, you go back and tell them, Let me tell you something, Jared. Just from a point of somebody who's watched this team get the hell kicked out of them for shoot, probably 20 years now. If you told me about 10 years ago, Joe Flacco would be the starting quarterback on the Cleveland Browns and be leading them on their way to the playoffs, I thought you would be on so much crack. But here we are. And, you know, Browns led by Joe Flacco heading to the playoffs most likely. We're both crack-free, so um, we'll take it.
1: You know, I don't think many people will be saying this, but I believe this season of 2023-2024 of NFL will be a history-making season. Just by the fact of how we're in the middle of this season, and you can just see how close the scores are, from multiple different uh from the AFC, NFC, the east, west, north, south, just how close they are together. Right. Most of them. Not all of
0: them. <laughs> but this I believe this true. will
1: be a history making season.
0: All right. Well, folks, that's going to wrap it up this week on Roundabout Sports. I especially want to thank Jared for joining us. Um, it's been a great pleasure. And, folks, as always, um, before we end the show, we always put up the NAMI hel- helpline. Um, that is at is 1-800-950-NAMI. That is 1-800-950-NAMI. NAMI or NAMI, however you like to pronounce it, is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. It's the nation's largest grassroots mental health organization dedicated to building better lives for those who struggle with mental illness. Um, And as always, we also put up the Suicide in Crisis Lifeline. For that, we dial uh, 988. The line is up 24-7, 365, 366 on Leap Year's. Understand that you're never alone in this world. There's always somebody who cares about you and loves you deeply. (coughs) Everybody has their own struggles in this world, and none of us should have to struggle alone. Um, The help you may need is only just a phone call or a text message away. And remember, you could also be (coughs) the listening ears for somebody else. Once again, I'd like to thank Jared and thank all of you for tuning in. Um, Have a great rest of your Hanukkah. And remember... Life is a book full of empty pages just waiting to be written in. Make your lives worth reading. Good night, everybody.